public space is not just about design. I could have not summed up the content of this episode of Cities Reimagined better than today's guest Luisa Bravo just did in this audio snippet. Welcome to the Cities Reimagined podcast, the show where we discuss all kinds of aspects related to alternative urban futures and challenging conventional paradigms. I'm your host, Johannes Riedler. episode of the Cities Reimagine podcast, we have a look at what it takes to reimagine urban public spaces. What makes cities urban, you might find asking yourself from time to time. Is it the buildings, the density of the buildings, the people living in them, the traffic? Or does urban describe a culture of doing and living in and within an urban area? Is is it the old definition of Gesellschaft in opposite of Gemeinschaft in Simmel's words, or is it the understanding of the French Cité in opposite of the Ville, as sociologist superstar Richard Sennett likes to put it? Whatever you find appropriate of a definition, it most likely has something to do with urban public spaces. Those spaces of informal interactions, of seeing others and the other, places of informality, playgrounds, parks, but also parking lots, streets and paved areas. There is also no way of not addressing issues around urban public spaces when discussing reimagining cities. Urban public spaces are key to transform cities for a better and to respond to the current societal challenges while ensuring equitable urbanism. One of the most motivated people working on urban public spaces I met over the years is Luisa Bravo. Luisa is based in Bologna, Italy and uh, among many other things is the founder and president of City Space Architecture. She is also the person behind the Museo Spazio Publico, a museum for public space. She is the editor-in-chief for the Journal of Public Space, which she publishes together with UN Habitat. And, not least, she runs the Public Space Academy, which is an educational program on, of course, public space. In her work, Luisa links the very global level by working with UN agencies such as UN Habitat with very local actions and activism turning neglected spaces in the city of Bologna into accessible green spaces and parking lots into parklets. There are so many reasons to invite Luisa to this show and to have her in the first episode of the Cities Reimagined podcast. So here's my chat with Luisa which we recorded in August of 2023. Hi, Luisa. Welcome to the Cities Reimagined podcast. It is really nice to have you on the show. Um, with all your projects going on in parallel, on a scale from 1 to 10, how busy are you at the moment? 
Hi, Johannes. Thank you for inviting me and for having me in your podcast project, which I like very much. Uh, yes, busy as usual and uh, doing uh, many different projects on public space, as you know. Yeah, for you're an architect based in Bologna, Italy, where you also live. And um, you set up the Museo of Spazio Publico, sorry for my Italian pronunciation, the Museum of Public Space or for Public Space in the city. And you also do a lot of um, very local activities and actions in Bologna while you also are work with UN Habitat on the Journal of Public Space and have a global outreach as well, which I find very fascinating. So in April 2023, you invited me for a residency in a museum of public space, which I have to say I enjoyed a lot and I had a really good time uh, working with you and your team in Bologna. And it was a very fascinating experience to get to know your work better, but also the city of Bologna, especially these, these aspects related to public space, um, which you would not necessarily uh, learn about if you're just visiting for a weekend in the city. So that was a very fascinating time for me. And I got uh, to know you as someone who's driven very much by idealism and a personal motivation to do things differently. And your work doesn't stop at the borders of the city, as I already said. Um, the opposite is the case. You work very globally, also with UN Habitat. How did you become so passionate about public space? Uh, well, good question. <laughs> um, well, I actually think that uh, this is uh, coming from um, my DNA of being an Italian uh, uh, person. Uh, I was um, living in my hometown, which is a small city um, south from Bologna. I actually moved to Bologna uh, to, to study at the university more than 30 years ago. But uh, I was used to live in my hometown, Ascoli Piceno, which I suggest you to visit, uh, which has a, a beautiful square, one of the most beautiful Italian squares which uh, is intended to be as uh, a salotto uh, in, uh, in Italian. So it's a place where you can actually have a good time uh, to meet other people and uh, to relax, to chat, to drink, uh, to watch others, because this is what's happening also in public space. We meet others and we watch others. And this square was actually one of the case studies of young girls when he came for the first mm -hmm. visit back in the 60s and 70s. So a friend of mine once told me, ah, now I know why you are so passionate about public space, because you were used to live <laughs> in such a beautiful environment with such a beautiful square. And actually, uh, if I think about my time uh, when I was very young, um, I was actually so much influenced by this way of using public space. Mm -hmm. um, I was living in the suburb of the city, but uh, to meet my friends and to actually have some um, public uh, um, engagements, I was used to take the bus and go to the city center because everything is happening 
in the city center. And so I remember spending a lot of time, many hours uh, in this square. Mm -hmm. And even without having a proper meeting with, with friends, we knew that going to the square was the opportunity to meet. So I was used to go, let's say, six o'clock and then uh, stay there for a while, standing, uh, leaning next to the arcades and wait for some uh, friends to come and uh, then join for a walk because we were used to walk up and down in this square. Yeah. Um, and I have uh, very beautiful memories uh, of when I was um, studying at um, at the school and spending the afternoon, uh, not every afternoon, but uh, especially in the weekend, you know, in the square. So growing up, you actually did a, did the case study Jan Gill might have done <laughs> in, the, in the 1960s, right? <laughs> yes. Well, and Gell, if you see Life Between Buildings, he actually mentioned this square, Piazza del Popolo, in Ascoli Piceno as one of the most interesting uh, case studies mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, human behavior and uh, human appropriation of space. Mm-hmm. I would like to go a little bit in the direction of your work in, in Bologna um, to, mm-hmm. to go from, let's say, this um, from the educational aspect and your work with the uh, Journal of Public Space and your habitat to, to what you do in the communities and in the neighborhood of Bologna. So during my stay in Bologna, I had the chance to experience and learn about the dynamics around public spaces in Bologna a lot. So Italian cities, you also mentioned that already, are often celebrated for the public space, mainly in the old town. Mm -hmm. But the inner city of Bologna combines this historic charm and the vibrant energy. because of its narrow winding streets. I, I, I believe that the, the layout of the streets goes back to the 10th century even, or very it's very old. And uh, they are, these are lined with terracotta hued buildings. It's really beautiful. And the Paseos lining many streets are very iconic for the city as well, with the med- medieval towers punctuating the skyline and there's a you know there's uh i could go on like this this is a it's a very very nice uh, streetscape and a beautiful city and bologna is also known for its rich cuisine right so for good reason the city is also called the fat city but when you walk this the old town you know why um there are so many restaurants everywhere and there's so many there's there's an abundance of outdoor seating of these restaurants uh, in public space and in fact you oftentimes are troubled as a pedestrian to find your way mm. around tables and chairs so yes. it's a really uh it's a city where uh yeah foodification as we discussed when i came visiting is is real at the same time once you you leave the inner city of bologna the mm. situation to public spaces and life in in public space changes completely so the car is king, the green pockets and smaller up open spaces in the neighborhoods are oftentimes neglected and underused. And to me, it seems that public space and public urban spaces are overly ce- uh, celebrated in many, uh, in many cases, economically exploited and temporarily privatized. But at the same time, there is a need for this, uh, yeah, to activate the public space in the real neighborhoods. And I think you work a lot on that. 
Can you tell us a little bit about your work in, in that regard? Yes. Uh, uh, well, you you described uh, very well the atmosphere in, in Bologna, especially in the city center, which is uh, really attractive. Uh, it's a compact city, human scale. You can actually walk almost everywhere. And then you have the porticos. Uh, Bologna has been known for... Uh, very progressive thinking uh, um, since the 60s and um, especially in terms of uh, urban policies, how to reimagine uh, the city, how to plan for uh, you know a long-term impact. And so um, the um, now the some some local uh, scholars uh, are uh, you know have this impression that uh, we are a bit detached from our heritage of uh, um, very uh, left wing let's say progressive thinking and we are more into um, uh, like a commercial um, um, endeavors uh, in terms of uh, marketing uh, and um, um, attraction uh, um, of international visitors. And this is also affecting uh, uh, public space. As you said, uh, many chairs occupying uh, public space, uh, a lot of um, cafes and restaurants using public space for private um, um, profit um, and so all these uh, dynamics uh, are actually changing uh, the way people uh, live perceive and understand public space and I have this feeling that uh, you know it, this is not happening only in Bologna but in other European cities if you go to Amsterdam for example you see that uh, you know the city center is mostly for um, um, tourists uh, and uh, for international visitors uh, rather than uh, local residents. Uh, uh, we know this uh, from Venice, um, for example, uh, which is more like an open air museum with the chain shops uh, associated with um, tourists from China uh, that are investing uh, a lot of money in shopping <laughs> in Italian. <laughs> Um, uh, brands, uh, you know. Um, and so we fear that uh, cities like uh, Bologna, for example, that always invested in culture can actually turn um, an urban strategy into these uh, commercial marketing activity. Um, so this uh, fast use of public space uh, makes it uh, not uh, planned for uh, local use and long-term uh, evolution, you know, of what public space can be in the city center. So I think that uh, what it is more interesting nowadays in Italy, in Bologna, but also in Europe, is to actually uh, regenerate uh, public space in suburban districts. Uh, and the scale that we should consider is the neighborhood scale. Uh, and so that's why I started this new project, uh, the Museo Spazio Publico, the public space museum in, um, in the suburban district uh, of the 
Saragozza neighborhood in Bologna. And uh, I would say everybody in Bologna should, or with an urban interest who comes to Bologna, should visit this uh, this place. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Johannes. Um, so this museum is a very atypical uh, museum because we do not have a permanent collection and uh, we are a very small place, actually. The museum is a renovation of uh, a small neighborhood supermarket. So it was a place for food and now it is a place for culture. Um, and we want to uh, use the museum to establish a public space culture. So with the museum, we try to translate that global mission into a local mission. And so to develop certain awareness of what public space is and why it is important. Um, some of um, the most asked questions that I receive, and you won't believe this, but people are always asking me, what is public space? Mm -hmm. So uh, when I am at some UN events uh, or when I'm here, you know, in Bologna, people are always asking me, what is public space? And I understand that this is a very important question. Don't take for granted um, what the people uh, think about public space, because this is an exercise that uh, I think I did also with you when you came <laughs> in yes. Bologna, but I want to do with those that are listening to this podcast. Yeah. If I ask you, think about a public space in your city, what is the first image that comes to your mind? What do you visualize in your mind when you think about public space? So the, the effort that we are doing uh, in Bologna at the Public Space Museum is to actually show that the public space is also in the suburb. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to the main square in Bologna or to the um, historic district to experience public space. Public space is also here in our neighborhood, uh, but uh, it is not fully disclosed. Uh, so you, you need to develop this ability to see public space and to develop a strategy to um, um, make this embedded potential that uh, is uh, in our neighborhoods a reality mm -hmm. by transforming what it is mostly neglected, uh, underused, and I would say also abused into a space for the community. And you did that in, in Bologna, just right in front of the public space museum, right? With a with a parklet. And at the yes. moment you're you're developing um, a park across the street or a little green space across the street. It's not that little, actually. It's about probably, I don't know, 200, yes, 300 square meters, something like that. But yes. can you can you share some experience on, on the parklet? Because I absolutely love to hear the stories, how people were first confused about what this strange thing is and why they cannot park their car there anymore. <laughs> 
Yes, well, we actually uh, designed and implemented um, the first ever parklet in the city of Bologna. Um, so a parklet is a public space, uh, which is um, actually replacing a number of uh, parking spots along the street. And, uh, you know, we know the story about uh, parklets coming from uh, Rebar in San Francisco. They occupied uh, two parking spots for uh, uh, just a few hours uh, during the day, and they experienced uh, um, a lot of uh, engagements uh, of people using the space, uh, sitting on a bench. They put also a small tree. And so they, they actually reflected on uh, how much public space uh, is already available in the city, but we are not using it for what it is, a public space. So um, in, um, in a city like Bologna, where uh, there are many cars uh, in the city center and especially in the suburb, actually uh, there is a, a lot of public space which is used for um, cars, parked cars. And during the pandemic, um, because of the physical distancing, um, many people in uh, suburban districts uh, were experiencing a lot of challenges because uh, um, there was not enough space for physical distancing because the majority of space was occupied by cars parked along the streets. So we suggested to implement a parklet to actually expand the space of the sidewalk to give a local residents a possibility to be outside, but safe and healthy. Um, but this was uh, this came as a complete surprise, you know, for for the neighborhood because um, one day uh, they saw this. Uh, parklet fully implemented because it took us uh, like half day to actually in, implement the parklet and so we occupied uh, three parking spots in a street that has uh, you know many um, other cars parked uh, and so it's very congested in terms of not in terms of traffic uh, but in terms of cars parked because it's um, um residential area, medium density, so a lot of apartments and a lot of cars. And so at the beginning, people reacted very bad, I would say, because they really didn't want to have something that were reducing opportunities for them to park mm. because they valued parking more than having a public space but also because they didn't realize that the parklet was a public space for them. And so I remember at the beginning, some people came to me and they asked me, can we enter this space? Can we sit in this space? Everything was open, right? And it was an extension of the sidewalk. So there were no signs, nothing. I mean, everything was fully accessible, but uh, people still didn't know how to appropriate the space and who was supposed to use the space. 
but we know that um, when we design public space, we always need to keep in mind that public space must be for all. And, and so this was the attempt uh, and the ambition of the parklet uh, to actually show that uh, with uh, a small intervention in three parking spots, because it was about 30 square meters, we were giving an opportunity. And at the, I believe at the end of this experience, one people got more used to it, right? And uh, adopted the public space or the, the parklet as well and started using it. Yes. So from the from the first uh, very harsh, <laughs> I would say, uh, confrontations that I had with local residents, uh, um, um, at the end, because the parklet was conceived as a temporary intervention, so it lasted 10 months. Um, so at the very end, we organized uh, a farewell party uh, to invite people to enjoy the parklet uh, in the last hours of his life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, when people uh, um, understood that the parklet was going to be dismantled, they, they felt uh, that this was a good opportunity for them um, to actually see a change also in their neighborhood. Someone, you know, taking care of them as local residents and providing opportunities. Um, I observed uh, throughout these uh, 10 months behavior of local residents and uh, I saw that um, uh, people uh, uh, started to uh, take care of the parklet. Um, we had the plants and bushes and um, um, some green uh, um, furniture uh, in the parklet to create a nice and attractive environment. And especially during summer nights, uh, um, my neighbor, neighbor uh, next to the museum was used to actually water plants. Uh, and there was a couple spending uh, um, time in the summer nights uh, um, when it was late in the night with the fresh breeze, you know, of the summer yeah. nights, they were used to sit in this romantic <laughs> setting yes. of the parklet. And so I, I actually saw all this kind of uh, behavior, um, which uh, um, belong to um, our ordinary way to live, you know, public space. Yes. So the parklet was not supposed to be an extraordinary uh, design project, uh, but it was uh, only an attempt to support um, local residents in developing uh, their own ordinary routines uh, and uh, um, things uh, around the neighborhood while moving from a shop to another, uh, providing a space to sit uh, or providing some shadow through the plants uh, and bushes and trees. Um, yeah, so the aim was to, to make it uh, part of the everyday life of people living in the neighborhood, right? Exactly, yes. So that's why they felt very disappointed when they knew that the parklet was going to be dismantled. Yeah. 
And so some encouraged me to go to the municipality and ask for uh, an extension or to fight for the parklet. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was very nice uh, to see that the people in the end started to care, you know, for yeah. something that they could not understand from the very beginning. Yeah. So fast forward to today. After the parklet or after the project you initiated with the parklet, you also started taking care of a green space in the same neighborhood. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience there, what the ambition is and how, how this project developed over the last month? Because I think it's very recent. Yes. Um, when we dismantled the parklet, I remember on the last night, a guy from the neighborhood came to me And uh, he told me, I just wanted to say thank you because you did this. Uh, and I was really touched, you know, by this uh, very direct approach from a person that I didn't know from the neighborhood. Um, and so he told me, um, I, I could not understand what this was supposed to be. And I was very critical at the very beginning but now after 10 months I understand why this is important and so I mean this was exactly you know the purpose of the parklet to actually give others opportunities to understand by their own how these small improvements can actually produce a change in the way people approach public space And so when he knew that the parklet was supposed to be dismantled the, just the day after uh, the party, he asked me, are you going to do something else in the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. <laughs> And actually, yes, uh, because at that time, we already had this idea to take care of um, a green area just in front of the museum, um, just few steps away from the museum. Again, this was a, a leftover space, uh, very dirty, um, abandoned, uh, very poor quality. Um, and so the idea was to create like a small park. Um, there are many other parks in the neighborhood, big parks, but I think we need to invest uh, um, in uh, public space by providing some very uh, close uh, um, opportunities. Now we talk a lot about the 15-minute city and hyper proximity. So this small park is actually creating an opportunity very close to where people live. You know, you just go down uh, uh, from the place where you live and you're on the street and you cross the street and the park is there. Um, so we started again the process with the municipality. We signed um, um, an agreement with the municipality because Bologna has this very innovative regulation on urban commons. Um, and uh, um, in, in, this happened in October 2022. And then in November, we started the renovation of the garden. And so if you come now to visit us in Bologna, you will see the garden, which is fully 
regenerated. So from a leftover space to a community uh, garden. Again, we had a lot of criticism at the beginning, you know, people complaining because they didn't want to have um, something disturbing um, next to the place where they live because they had all these ideas that we were using the space, producing noises and, uh, you know, um, creating uh, um, problems in a very quiet neighborhood. So they completely misunderstood the mission. But now that uh, the garden is fully implemented, uh, I receive a lot of um, um, good comments and people are uh, um, coming to actually say, um, ah, I like this garden, it's beautiful, uh, who is doing this, are you doing this, uh, and then they they tell me stories, I remember this uh, garden uh, years ago, there was this and that, they showed me pictures <laughs> of what the garden was used to be like 10 years ago, and so they ask, ah, you did this, ah, the municipality did that. So they, they want to know. And something very important, uh, so this is uh, the lesson that I learned from the parklet and now from the garden, is that uh, actually you have to be on the spot. So you have to be there. And so you, you lead by example. Mm -hmm. Uh, because now, for example, in the garden, I'm uh, cleaning and uh, I'm pouring water, you know, and uh, every time I go there, I check, uh, I put the signs and people see me. So I'm also performing, you know, yes. in the, the garden as the one who is taking care. Mm -hmm. And so encouraging also others to take care of the garden and recently a lady just came and told me ah what do you need what can we do to help ah let's have a meeting let's organize something i can ask to other people in the building where i live i can send an email there we can collect uh, signatures or uh, we can um, uh, print flyers to let other people know so this kind of behavior is encouraging action to others. I absolutely love these uh, these two projects, the parklet and the, and the park, and the stories you just uh, told us, because it it really allows people to reimagine their uh, immediate surrounding. Where at the beginning yeah. they have a difficulty to see the potential of a space or to reimagine and to to have their daily routines maybe sh uh, shaken up a little bit by new practices being being introduced to the public space really find that extremely inspiring and it's it's right on spot for the podcast so thank you so much for sharing that and Luisa with all your work you do in Bologna how does that link globally what is your what is your connection and how did it establish that you that you do not only work in your city and in your in italy really but uh, go beyond that yes um i started uh, 10 years ago um by establishing a non-profit organization uh, city space architecture um and trying to uh, create a platform where I could develop uh, opportunities 
for public space initiatives, events, and projects. Um, taking advantage of my um, academic um, career, because I was into PhD and post-PhD, and so I was also um, into some international connections uh, and um, research periods abroad. So I already had, let's say, a nice network of people, you know, working on public space. And uh, I was always thinking, what can I do now that I have these great connections and I know these amazing people, you know, mm -hmm. I could not believe uh, how these people were so generous with me, inviting me and also um, giving me the chance to know others, uh, to be engaged, uh, because I think that uh, people that are working on public space are uh, very passionate, uh, you know, because public space is something that really belongs to to your heart in a way, uh, because it's about um, dealing with others uh, and care for others. Uh, and so I received this kind of uh, welcoming uh, um, um, attitude and appreciation. Uh, and so I said, to myself so i need to do something uh, to actually give others the same opportunities and expand uh, the work that i'm doing so that um, others can find the same excitement and passion you know for public space so through this non-profit organization um 10 years ago uh, i started this uh, very challenging and very difficult path mm -hmm. Um, there was a big ambition at the very beginning to actually develop something really meaningful, uh, but not just at the academic level, but taking advantage of the quality of these academic scholars um, and actually expand impact beyond academia. Because as I said, public space is about people, you know, it's about... Uh, expanding uh, um, the impact of this meaningful research to the real world. And you're also the founder of the Public Space Academy, which is a free transdisciplinary educational pro uh, program on urban complexities built around public space. Where do, where do you see the need for setting up uh, the Public Space Academy? Yes, uh, well... When I started with the Journal of Public Space uh, was 2016, so just uh, three years uh, after I established uh, City Space Architecture, and uh, I, I immediately started this cooperation with UN Habitat, with the Global Public Space Program. They wanted to support the journal. And so the journal is an academic venue for researchers and um, I started to actually see um, a great potential uh, from the Journal of Public Space. So um, I, at the same time, started to receive some um, emails from people that I didn't know, asking, where can I attend a very good uh, program, educational program on public space? And so I started to realize that actually public space as a topic 
uh, is not uh, properly taught. I mean, it's part of uh, urban design. I actually teach urban design at the University of Florence. Um, it is part of uh, landscape architect architecture or landscape uh, urbanism, but it's it's not a proper topic. Mm. So in 2018, I started to think about, uh, you know, um, using uh, the Journal of Public Space to actually move interest from uh, research production to educational contents. And so I started to develop uh, this concept for the Public Space Academy. So only... Um, Seven, several years later, I was able to get support from the Ove Arup Foundation. So it was 2022. Um, and now we are establishing the Public Space Academy through an online program, free, as you said, and also some in-presence activities. And we are starting with this workshop in September in Bologna. Uh, we want to engage uh, many different uh, people and expertise and to actually provide uh, an overall picture of the complexity of public space, which uh, is not just related to design activities. Mm -hmm. uh, because this is um, um, something that we have to say very clearly. Public space is, is not uh, just about design is much more than that. And also we have to clarify that to reach that design uh, step requires a lot of work of observation, um, uh, review, investigation, uh, and several cycles of, uh, you know, um, thinking and rethinking and readjusting. So there is a lot of work prior to the design activity. And we want to actually work exactly on this part so that when you reach design, you are properly prepared to deliver something which is really successful. I think we see that a lot in 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 cities, especially in Europe, that uh, there is an ambition by local public administration to change public spaces, but uh, the understanding of how to do it is often limited to this, to the design aspect of public spaces without any without taking into consideration um, all the other other aspects and. I would say that that's also the reason why a lot of these projects fail or why people do not um, use the public spaces, although they might be designed very well, but uh, there's no culture um, attached to it to, um, yeah, to make sense of the public space. Public space is very context dependent. Uh, and so analyzing the context, uh, it, it's... Um, it's quite complex uh, and you, you have to deal with so many issues, uh, which is uh, physical environment, uh, but also um, all those um, immaterial and somehow ephemeral aspects uh, that makes uh, um, public space successful. That's why I'm saying it's not just about design, but if 
if you are able to um, include and incorporate in your design all these different aspects that are not uh, um, immediately perceived when you visit a site, but it requires a lot of time, as also Gell was used to say, you know, observation and mapping and human behavior. Um, I think that the public space is nowadays much more complex um, from what Gell describes. Mm -hmm because we have you know multicultural society um we have uh, sometimes uh, some uh, um conflicts happening in public space i really like that this our conversation what you just said links so well to another conversation i had uh with um on the podcast with stefan fugger who's a local journalist in the south of austria my hometown klagenfurt and he he told us about the difficulties or the failure of a public space project where the city wanted to pedestrianize temporarily a part of a street and it completely blew off. Um, people were against it. People didn't see the value. And this links so well to what you just said. So I, I really love this connection. Thank and you. Luisa, what, what would you suggest to someone who would like to start action to reimagine their cities? Hmm. Well, um, I'm doing this uh, because um, I, I really have a very strong motivation. Um, I really want to contribute and I really want to do something meaningful. So it is very important that you build your action on a very, very strong motivation. Um, something that requires a lot of efforts uh, every day because you need to actually uh, find that same motivation every day, even if there are a lot of challenges, a lot of difficulties, and sometimes uh, things will be bad, you know, and uh, you, you will think that uh, uh, this is the wrong direction, but still you need to keep that motivation strong and um, push for the next step. It is very important that uh, if you really want to um, succeed and uh, especially in public space that there are so many, really so many difficulties at many different levels, um, you really need a very strong motivation. Uh, so this is the very first uh, thing you have to consider, strong motivation. But also the second, you need to find uh, allies, you know, people that have uh, same strong motivation, that can support, that can help, um, also in uh, brainstorming, you know, because you need to get inspiration and uh, directions sometimes when you are lost. Uh, so that's why I think it's very important to establish this public space culture. And uh, that's why also we are working on this idea of having a community of people that have uh, same interests so that we can actually brainstorm and exchange uh, lessons and good practices. Um, and you, you need to actually um, find something that it is meaningful for you, but also meaningful for others. 
Um, and then uh, you have to invest your time, <laughs> a lot of time, um, before, you know, um, convincing others that uh, um, they should also invest mm -hmm. what you are doing. And I would like to close this podcast <laughs> by saying something that I understood after 10 years of um, my work in public space. Uh, because people are usually telling me, ah, you have these very successful projects, the journal, now the academy, and there is a lot of excitement. Um, yes, yes, that's true. But uh, if there is something that I really did in a very good way in the last 10 years is to actually talk with people and convince people that this was right. Mm -hmm. that this was meaningful and if they wanted to invest in something meaningful this was the way and again this is a public space lesson because it is about people mm -hmm. because I established connections with people I spent time to talk with people to listen to people and to say let's share something together let's make this path together Right. Uh, and so that's why I also like this idea that after visiting me in Bologna, now you are inviting me to contribute to, to this podcast uh, series, <laughs> Johannes. Thank you. Absolutely, Luisa. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I, I really think your, your work is, in your words, extremely meaningful. And it's also inspirational for others. Um, the thing you you or the things you set up and put different strings together is really really amazing. Um, I'm really looking forward to come to Bologna again in a couple of weeks uh, for the Public Space Academy workshops. Uh, it's and with that, Luisa, thank you so much for taking the time being on the show. Thank you. This was my conversation with Luisa Bravo from Cityscape Architecture based in Bologna, Italy. If you want to find out more about Luisa's work, you find all the relevant links in the description to this podcast. I would highly recommend either checking out the Journal for Public Space, the Public Space Academy, or all the other activities Cityscape Architecture and Luisa do. In the next episode of Cities Reimagined, I will talk to Jim and Sophie from CityMind, based in Brussels, and we will talk about how to radically include disadvantaged groups of society into urban development projects and much more. So be sure to not miss this one. If you liked this episode of Cities Reimagined, please consider subscribing. Find us on social media or even better, send me an email at johannes at anthropocene.city. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your feedback on this show and on any other episodes of Cities Reimagined and also hear from your expectations for the show. So please don't be shy and send me an email. This episode has been hosted, produced and edited by myself, Johannes Riegler. That was the first episode of many to come, hopefully. And I hope you stick with me and I hope to catch you soon.